There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Are you going on date after date and still not finding the one or getting a text back? Well, you're probably doing something wrong. And I am here to tell you exactly what that is. I'm Lindsay Metzler and I host We Met at Acme. It's a dating podcast that gives you all the rules and guidelines that you need to date successfully. Hey, it worked for me and now I'm married. So you really should give it a listen if you haven't already. And you can also hear the horrors of dating. Everything that you want to hear is in We Met at Acme. So check it out. This is Amanda Hirsch from the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast. You might know me from Not Skinny But Not Fat on Instagram, where I spend my time talking about reality TV, celebrities, everything happening, and pop culture. I also talk to some of our favorite celebs and reality TV stars. We talk about what's going on. Tune in every Tuesday and just feel like you're talking with your best friends in your living room. So good to meet you. No, I've wanted to do your podcast for a while. Shut up. I don't believe you for one second. It's true. Jamie and I have been talking about it forever. I'm hashtag honored SMG. But no pressure. What if I suck? No pressure for me. I was like, (laughs) I was like, wait, I'm nervous. Like I'm nervous because you're just really iconic. Everyone's obsessed with you. You're a cultural phenomenon consensus. Like I was trying to kind of do like a study on it before I talked to like some of my gay friends. I'm like, explain to me your obsession because your popularity with the LGBTQIA community is also wild. Like your mother, your mother. How did that happen? I have no idea. Honestly, I like someone was really funny because it all happened at once. It was like my makeup artist said, hey, do you know about this mother thing? And I was like, what mother thing? And he like casually mentioned, I was like, no, I didn't know. And then when I got to London, it was just like mother, mother. And so I love it. I'm, I'm keeping it. I know. I love it too. I saw you just, you're leaning in, which I love when people lean into things. You know what I mean? Like you, you just captioned one of your latest captions was I'm your mother. The Megan Trainer quote. Yeah. Well, the next thing is, would you do a TikTok? Would I do a TikTok? Like a yeah. TikTok? Yeah. Like, would you do one of those? Like, no much work. I know. So you're saying you would never open a TikTok? I don't think so. I mean, that's like, I need like another me. That's a full-time job. I know. It's it's wild. I think I'm too old for it. I opened one and deleted one. I got so nervous. I, it's not, I don't think it's for me either. I just, I feel like I would have to, it would have to be so cool. And like, it's Instagram's enough of a job for me that I can barely manage. I mean, you should see my MySpace page. My MySpace page is a mess right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. The, where we've been and where we are now. So, again, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Everyone's going to literally fucking die. I can't believe that you went on such a long break and you came back into our lives and it was like you were never gone, kind of. Do you feel that way, too? You know, it's interesting because I was nervous. You always, you know, this business is tricky and you can take a break and have nothing to come back to. People have moved on. People don't care. You know, it's new generations. And so I think there was definite anxiety and, you know, I was worried. I'm not going to say that I was totally confident, but the love that I felt coming back 
it's just, it's immense and it's better than I could have anticipated. And so I'm almost glad I did that because I think that I appreciate it so differently now. Yeah. It excites me and I'm honored. I'm not scared of it. And I'm just, I'm so glad there was a place for me to come back to. So I wanted to know, like with this comeback, is it like a decision that you sit down with your team and you're like, you guys, I'm ready. Or did it happen kind of organically? No, it was very similar to that. It was like, right. I think it was December, 2019. And I said, you know, I think that my kids are older now and I've taken some time after Robin passed away. It was just really hard. I had two kids back to back. They were young and I just was like, everything felt happening so quickly. And I just needed to step back because all I'd ever done is work. And I did. And then I said, I wanted to come back. And then there was this very small global pandemic, which sort of put a little hamper on those plans. But again, it was worth the wait because I was able to sort of come back at my own pace. And it was like, you know, do revenge was the homage to cruel intentions. And I got to get my feet wet. And, you know, I I didn't want to do very much in it. It was sort of left up to me, like how long, how big a role I wanted. And I was like, let me just dabble and make sure, make sure that my kids are okay with me being gone, make sure my household doesn't fall. Like, you know, all of those things that I hadn't done. And then this very much felt like, you know, the homage to Buffy and yeah, so that's sort of how it happened. It's cool that you came back and you're doing things that are like related to everything that you've done. That must feel so cool. It's like curated to who you are. I'm curated to my audience and what they want to see. I think that as actors, a lot of times we go one of two ways. We want to do the opposite of what we're known for, right? Mm-hmm. Or you lean into it and you say, hey, it's awesome that these people want to see me in these. Let's do it. Let's do it fun. Let's make it great. So during that time that you said you took the hiatus, that it stemmed from having kids. And I mean, I have one kid, people that have two kids or three. I'm like, how? It's not easy. But I read that the that Robin passing away, Robin Williams, you you did a sitcom with him. How did that impact your decision to step back? Grief is its own beast. You know, everyone deals with it differently and it hits you differently. But it just made me take stock and how precious life is and how short the time is. And, you know, in my job, we're away for long stretches, or even if we're home, our hours are crazy. And I wanted to put my kids to bed and I wanted to volunteer at school and I wanted to, you know, drive them in the mornings and my job doesn't allow that. And I needed that time. And then they are now at an age where this is what happens with kids is they get to an age where they don't want you and need you anymore. Like they have their own lives and you're only a conduit to get them from one place to another. I'm essentially a very glorified Uber driver. (laughs) And it felt like now I could, you know, manage both. It's still really hard. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's easy. And during that time, Sarah, like I know that I get FOMO and you can't help, you know, having some jealousy. It's human nature to play the comparison game, which like I really try hard not to do in my life. But did you feel during that time like you would watch movies or shows and be like, like, or did you were you so whole with the decision that you made? I didn't in the beginning, which is how I knew it was the right decision. And when I started to feel that, that's when I thought, okay, I need to go back. But I also watched the business change a lot too, and streaming allowed for better schedules because I love TV and twenty two episodes is impossible physically, emotionally, creatively. And streaming, you know, allows six, six. to ten. Yeah. yeah, it's like you you can you can still do that. So that was appealing to me. And also just watching the position of women. You know, I grew up in it when it was still really tough to be a young female. And it's great that change happens, but I want to be a part of the change and to change that narrative. And and now I'm in that position to do it and it feels really nice. So I think they were all sort of that those were all the indicators that I was ready to come back. And how does it feel to be because like I see young people right now, right? Like TikTokers gaining 25 million followers overnight, becoming mega famous. And I almost am scared for them. I'm like, you're so young. Like, are you going to be okay? And you were freaking young when you started. So how does it feel now when you're like a mother in all senses? And it probably feels so different. Like the confidence that you have, you know who you are. Like, what's that like? I worry about those kids too, because overnight fame is hard. I mean, it's really cool. I'm not going to sit here and tell you like, oh, fame is the worst. There's parts of it that suck, 
but there's parts of it that are great. And to have that success overnight and to not have, to have how you get it is so different now. And, and I, I do, and it's also fleeting because the trend, you know, changes and you're not with that trend. It's not the same as like having, you know, a TV show that people love. Like I do worry for some of these kids and, and how they're, they're going to manage some of them. I mean, I think it's always great to have, if you're a creative person, you have to have creative outlets. And I love that there are so many outlets for that. I'm just glad that all this didn't exist in my day and age. You know, I always joke that, you know, when I was that young, Us Weekly was like a monthly movie magazine that you shot the cover of. Like it was not, you know, and now you go from those magazines to blogs to every, you know, it's, it's just, it's a lot of content. And I even watch the young kids on our show and I, I feel for them because there's this expectation that they're going to be documenting all this content and making these videos. And they're just trying to be the leads of their first big job. And that's a lot of pressure too. Yeah. So is the pressure on them from like people that are, are making the show or they feel the pressure? I think, I think there's an expectation, you know, from digital outlets for all these shows that they're going to do that. But I think it's also, they know that's how their brand gathers and it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of work. And how did you, like, you grew up in New York, right? Yeah. Which is so cool. I'm in New York. You, you grew up in Riverdale, right? Okay. Work too. Okay. Yes. I went to Beacon in the city. It's like uh, a liberal. Where yeah. did you go? Columbia Prep. Okay. And where did you grow up? In the city? In the city. But I grew up in the rent control department. Did you, do you think having a single mom attributed to kind of who you are like you've always been kind of responsible you somehow got out of like the child star you know trap right I wasn't a child I was just talking about this with someone today I wasn't a child star I was a working actor and being a working actor in New York is very different than being even a working actor in LA because I always say in New York City what's interesting is that there's so many diverse businesses being an actor is like okay fine but there's publishing and fashion and you know, there's Wall Street, there's like all these other businesses in LA. It's like a one job town. It's like, you're, you know, you could be a dry cleaner, but you're a dry cleaner to the stars or you're the dentist to the star. Like it's all very around one business. So I just think you just, it's not everything about entertainment. That's so true. That's another reason why whenever people are like, are you going to move to LA? And I'm like, I like that New York is far. Like people think New York also has that energy, but it has a different energy where you can kind of be in it where you want to be in it, like working, but you can be out of all the other things that are that are about it. Do you miss New York? Because I know you do live in California now. I do. I, you know, the pandemic was really hard. It was the longest I'd ever been without going back home. Because I always say home because home is New York, home is LA. To me, they're, they're both equally home. And so that's been hard. I don't, I honestly, I don't miss living there full time. It's a tough it's tough, you know, especially with kids, it's tough. And, you know, although LA, this rain has just been, I, as right before we got on the phone, I was dealing with three new leaks in my house because no matter how well built your house might be, LA was not built for these rains. And when I call the the contractor, I'm like, look, I know I'm like the eighth phone call you probably had at 6 a.m. this morning. So this isn't an emergency, but just know we're leaking here, we're leaking here, you know. So don't you miss like an apartment building? You could call the super, he'll come right up. I mean, there's something about that, right? That part I do miss. I, you know, I th- the thing I miss the most about New York is that you get more organic time with the people in your life because I, I mean, this is a dumb story, but I always say it would be like, because after Buffy, Freddie and I moved back to New York for about 10 years and, you know, it'd be 11 o'clock at night and I'm like, I want a Snapple. And he'd be like, okay, let's go. And you go together and you walk across the street and you get a snap, like whatever it is that you're craving here. It's like, you can have that, but then it's like, are we both going to get in the car? Am I even going to bother getting in the car? I'm not, you just don't have that. Like, and that's fun. The spontaneity of running into people where you're just walking on the street and all of a sudden you see friends and your whole day changes like that, that those aspects of it. I miss. Yeah. It's really nice to just walk out of your house and you have like a Chinese restaurant, a bank, a dry cleaner, like you don't have to get in your car at all. Wait. So were your kids born in, in LA or in New York? No, they were born here. We kept our apartment until my daughter was like two. And then we realized that being bi-coastal is not really a thing when you have kids. Like it sounds really cool, but in actuality, it's not, it's really not doable. And, you know, LA just afforded 
an easier a life with the kids. And it just seemed to be, but we utilize, we live down by the beach. We're not like in Hollywood. It's, you know, it is a little different over here. But I remember the first time I took both kids back to New York by myself, I think my son was like four months old. And we had this like perfect day in New York City where it was just like unseasonably warm. And he was in the stroller and we went to Central Park and my daughter like went on all the rides at Victorian Gardens. And then he slept right through it. And it was just, I was like, I'm coming back. Like, this is amazing. Like, this is great. The next day, pouring rain, my daughter wanted to hold her an umbrella, which was a disaster because like it was going everywhere. My son had never seen the plastic on a stroller and was like freaking out, did not want the plastic on a stroller. Then I was like trying to get on the subway and I realized something that I'd never thought about in my entire life is how do you get down a subway with a stroller? And mind you, I had like an LA big stroller. I didn't know about like umbrella, super light strollers. So I was like trying and I was like, okay, this is really hard. You guys. It has been such a fun time for television lately. I mean, I'm glued to my TV. There has been so much good television lately, and it really isn't stopping anytime soon. On March 24th, Up Here is coming to Hulu, okay? It's a musical series rom-com about two characters, Lindsay and Miguel, juggling career and crushes as they try to find love in New York City in 1999. Oh, my God. We love the 90s. All my millennials in here are going to love this. You can stream the musical rom-com up here on Hulu beginning March 24th, you guys. Okay, so beginning March 24th, you can stream the musical rom-com on Hulu. They feature original music. And listen, it's from the director of Hamilton, the screenwriter of Tick, Tick, Boom, and the songwriters of the Book of Mormon and WandaVision. So it is a true collaboration of experts in their disciplines. Thomas Kale from Hamilton, Stephen Levinson from Tick, Tick, Boom, Kristen and Bobby Lopez from the Book of Mormon and WandaVision. Mae Whitman is in it. I'm obsessed with her from when she was a baby, you know, one fine day to parenthood. So, so excited for everybody to watch up here. It's going to be on Hulu. Okay. So the pre-launch, you can stream the musical rom-com up here on Hulu beginning March 24th, you guys. Okay. So beginning March 24th, you can stream the musical rom-com up here on Hulu on March 24th. I don't think you could say bras without saying third love anymore. Like if you haven't heard of third love, if you haven't seen your favorite influencer in it, and if you haven't been, you know, so tempted and had, you know, a full cart ready to check out um, for Noom, then I don't believe you. Okay. Um, So Noom has amazing bras. Okay. You know, when you put on a bra and it's just amazing and you don't want to take it off, that's the 24 seven t-shirt bra. It makes your boobs look fabulous. Whether you're wearing a tank top or you're wearing a baggy, you know, oversized t-shirt or you're wearing a blouse or whatever. The 24 seven classic t-shirt bra should be a staple in your closet. It should be your everyday go-to bra. It forms to your body. Your boobs always look great. You have no slip straps. It's same place all day. It's supportive. It's comfortable. It comes in over 60 sizes and half cups for your perfect fit. And it's definitely invisible under clothes. So it works with every outfit. I love third love so much. I also have this like really great uh, tank top by them that I always wear underneath stuff because it's like the color of my body. I don't know. It's like beige. My mom says I'm beige. So they also have other stuff, not just bras for you to check out. So ditch your bad bras. Get a better one that makes you look and feel great. Upgrade your bra today and get 20% off your first order at thirdlove.com slash not skinny. That's 20% off your first order at thirdlove.com slash not skinny. Did you know growing up that you wanted to be an actress? Because wasn't your first job at like, what, five years old? Yeah, I mean, I definitely fell into it and loved it. But I I did other things, too. So it wasn't all encompassing. It was when I was a teenager that I realized, oh, wait, this is actually like I want a career. This is what I want to do. But I didn't I didn't really have that realization that that was what I saw for myself until I was about like 12, 13 was when I realized like, oh, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Because that's, I think, when you start thinking about it. I mean, good for you. I mean, I didn't fucking know. So how did you how did you start like kind of creating it for yourself or going towards that, I guess, towards that goal? Well, I think it started when I took the job on all my children. And, and, and that was like a really adult. That was my first adult role, adult responsibilities. You know, you're not treated like a child. I had to manage school somehow on my own. But 
my hours were hours. Like, it's not like it is in LA where like you put the kids out like, okay, quick, you have two hours. They have to get off the stage. It's not like that. So I think that was like the start. But how do you even get an audition for all my children? Like, how does that you get an agent? Like, how did you do all those? Well, things? I got an agent by accident when I was five. I was eating in a restaurant and so I was on a play date and some woman came up and was like, your daughter's really cute. They're like, oh, she's not our daughter. And and, and they're like, oh, she's like, I'm an agent. You know, I, I put kids in commercials and movies. I was like, my phone number is 212-8. Like, <laughs> give my phone number. And my mom got a call and was like, what did you do? I'm like, oh, I'm going to be on TV. And my that mom is a joke. And it's not like on the internet now where you could just like look it up the person and go, oh, this is actually real. Like we had to do research and whatever, but it turned out it actually was legit. And that was the commercial that you got? No, that was an agent. Oh, that was the agent that you got. Okay, I got you. Oh my God. That is a crazy story. I feel like those stories don't happen anymore, right? Well, with the kids, for sure not. That would be creepy today to come up to a kid. Well, I think it's different now too because people know how to get into the into the, into entertainment. Like there's always... Everything, with everything online, I think it's just easier. So you had the same agent from when you were that young to then when you were a teen auditioning for Buffy? Oh, actually, no. I When I was a, becoming a teenager and I really realized that it was like, this is what I wanted to do. Then I went out and I saw like an agent that had older people that like did more careers versus just putting a kid on business. And I am still with Joanne Colonna to that day, to this day still. She still represents me from when I was 12. Wow, that's amazing. Oh my God. The things you two must have must have been together. Yep. It's been, you know, I went from being a child to being in a to be us becoming friends like as adults. And I mean now she's my manager, she's not an agent anymore, but still we've been together ever since. And I wanted to talk about Do Revenge because I was unhealthily obsessed with the movie. I thought it was so good. Like you were amazing in it. Maya Hawk is incredible. Cami Mendez, like I, I fell in love with her in this role and it was just so good. It had like just perfect pop culture references and it just like was really reflective of like life right now. It was like a mirror. Tell me how that happened. Like I know the director and the, the, the creator came to you and like wanted you to be part of it. Jen Robinson, who has now since become one of my best friends, like I, we absolutely were meant to be together. Oh my God. Was a cruel intentions fan. And they were joking about like who they could cast in the movie. And and she was like, oh, I'd do anything to put Sarah Michelle in this movie. And they're like, well, let's try. And there was no role. And my agents called and I wasn't really totally working yet. And they said, you know, do you know who she is? And I, I loved her movie. I had seen her show. Like I knew I was like, I'll take a Zoom meeting. And we just like on a Zoom meeting, we totally clicked. And she was like, I will write anything. Like, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I don't want anything like too big. I'd love to like come in, choose some scenery and go home. And she's like, done, <laughs> done. And we talked about, you know, she loves Cruel Intentions. And we talked about like where Catherine would be now, what would she be doing? And we had in one draft, you, you got her name at the very end and the headmaster's last name was the name from the original Les Les on stage or the original book. But we took it out because it's a little too on the nose, but we did, we did have it in for a little bit. Oh, my God, that that would have been cool. I mean, I get why, because it's like, right, like, stop throwing it in our face. We get it. We get it. I mean, the thing is, you got it. I think that was the, the thing is, you, you and it's, it's cooler to be the headmaster. Like, I like that she doesn't have a name. That's one of my favorite parts of it. It was such a cool role, and everyone was so excited to get that snippet of you in it. So how long did that take to shoot, for example? I was there for a week, I think. A week? That's a long time. See, you guys, it's so well, it's no, I hard. Work all of it, but well, I think I probably worked two or three days, but it was, you know, you do costume fittings and then, you know, we, you have to like meet everyone and like do a little camera test. And then we shot all the office scenes in one day. And then we had all the, the party stuff another day. Did you love working like on this movie so much? We just had fun. Like Jen and I had, like, we could do things that were ridiculous for some takes. Like the costumes were ridiculous. I got to work. I mean, Cammy and I had a great time. I adore her. I really got to know Maya afterwards and I'm unhealthily obsessed with Maya Hawk. Like it's not even funny. Like it's, I have a total girl crush on Maya knows. And, but all of them, Talia Ryder, like that girl's going to be a star. Oh, they were so good. I kind of want to watch it again now that, that we're talking. Cause I watched it right when it came out. It was so, so good. I also read that you kind of are talking to Maya Hawk cause Charlotte, your daughter wants to be an actress. Yes, unfortunately, <laughs> yes. 
But I just feel very strongly that, you know, and it's hard because I was a child actor, but I didn't have two famous parents. And I think that the expectation that's on that is so different. And the lens that it's looked at through right now, when you, you know, every other cover is Nepo baby. And this, I just want her to be a fully formed person and, and have that confidence. And, and so I let her, but I don't want to keep her from it if that's her passion. So what I do is like for do revenge, we didn't even have a nanny at the time. And so she came with me for the whole shoot and sat on set and watched and helped out Jen and got to learn. And that's what Maya said her parents did too, is that she was allowed, like they didn't hide her from it. She just wasn't in front of the camera until she had finished school and and then decided that was the path she was taking. Were you scared like as she was growing up that she might want it? Yeah, we've tried to talk her out of it, but she seems pretty bent on it. And then I thought, oh, this is great. I'll take her you know, for a week of night shoots and we'll see that'll, you know, she'll hate it after that. And it's totally backfired. She was totally awake. She thought it was great. She loved seeing the sunrise. I was like, yeah, this is not, this did not work for me. And are you really going to keep her from being on screen until she's 18? Yep. I mean, Jeff kept, can I give her one line and do her? And uh, Wolfpack, I was like, nope, nope, nope. Because our costume designer has a daughter who's the same age and he always puts her in the, in the movies and the girls are really good friends. And he's like, can I just put them in one scene together? I was like, no. Is she mad at you about that? Like, is she like, mom, I hate you. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you were so strong. I would so not. When when I read that you said that, I was like, damn, she's strict. Like, you really are standing, standing your ground. Like, I love that. Because I know it's what's best for her. And so, yeah, sometimes do you want to give in to make it easier? And you think like, well, what would one line do? But it sets, it just sets, sends the wrong message and let her earn it on her own when she's ready. And that's, I think, and then I think you feel better about yourself. I mean, I think that Maya has a sense of self-confidence because yeah, she knows she got in the door because her last name is Hawk. For sure. She knows that, but she has the talent and the knowledge and the experience now to back that up. And I think that that comes later. Yeah. And I also think then by the time Charlotte's 18, everyone will totally be over the Nepo baby conversation. (laughs) One will have. Or I'll just stop working and just put her in for me and all my jobs. No one will ever know. We'll just like. But will you help her? Like, are you trying to kind of plan for the future? Like, what's kind of your, will you make the effort to help her? Like, if she still wants to do it at that point? You're the first person to ask me that. Because I'm interested. I mean, I won't, I won't, I want her to earn it. I'm certainly not going to like be like, okay, you're on your own. You got to figure it all out on your own. You know, I can help her get an agent or do those things. But the truth is she could do that on her own. I'm sure like, yeah, but you know, I'd rather her earn the jobs than put her in jobs that I'm in. Cause I just think it's not fair to her. Yeah. Cause it's like, you want her to be actually good and, and, and feel good about that. She earned that. Yeah. There are a lot of actually like young actors that have spoken about the Nepo baby thing. Some seeing their responses was like, okay, don't get all defensive, but some were what you said about Maya, like, I get it. You know, I, I get that this helped, but no one can take away the talent. And there, I mean, it's really fair because like if your family are all lawyers and you go to law school and graduate and they put you at your dad's firm, like that's normal. You have a family of doctors, like do medical schools love a family of doctors? And like the, the last generation went to medical school here and now maybe they get into the school above someone else because sure, but it's, that's in all businesses. And so I do think it's a little bit unfair to have this conversation solely based on modeling and film and television. I know it should actually be the last industry it's talked about because like it's more vain. Do you get what I mean? Like you should care more if there is a doctor operating on you that, you know, you know, got it through his dad, not if somebody's like, you know, in a TV show um, if you're Cindy Crawford is your mom and you have those genes, by the way, you should be a model. Look at like you're perfect. Like you yeah. should be. Yeah. It oh my be, God. If she decided she was going to be a doctor. We'd all be, Oh, what a waste. Right. Like they, it would be the other conversation. You'd be like, she's so gorgeous. Why does she not want to do that? Yeah. And what about your son? Rocky? Is he, how does he feel about the industry? Zero interest. None. None. He likes going to, although he did ask the other day, like, if I'm a director, does that mean I'm the boss? And I was like, well, not in TV. He's like, what about in film? Like, well, a little more in film. Yeah. He was like, so I think he's only cares about being the boss. Yeah. So he's like, hmm, something to consider. But I think 
be the boss in any job, he'd be like, okay, I'll do that. Listen, we cannot mention the fact that your couple goals, you and your husband, Freddie Prince Jr., which like, you know, the amount of times I've posted both of you, like, it's just, it's like a reminder, they're still married. That doesn't happen in Hollywood. How much pressure do you feel when you're like one of the only survivors of 20 plus years? I guess I don't, I don't really look at it that way. You know, look, marriage is hard and it takes work and you have to work at it to make it successful. And we live in a very disposable society, right? Things break. You just throw it out. Now you get a new one. You, you know, people don't want to work, but I think that it's, I have my friendships also that long too. Like that's just the kind of person that I am. That's why my manager has been my manager since I was, you know, 13 when I'm, I'm fiercely loyal and, and, you know, he's my biggest supporter. I'm not going to say it's easy and roses every day. Right. Cause everyone knows that's not reality, but I mean, we're lucky. How did he feel about you going back to work? He's like, girl, get out of the house. <laughs> no, he was really supportive. And, and, and it's been such a positive experience. Like not all of my experiences have been this positive. I've gone from one positive experience to another really positive experience. And so I think it's funny because he hasn't really been working and he's been starting to say, you know, I'm like watching how much fun you're having. And when jobs are like that and you can have that experience, he's like, I'm starting to think maybe he's like, maybe I want to go back too. He was like, you <laughs> set that goal high. Well, he has recently been in like a Christmas movie, right? Yeah. So he kind of is making his own comeback. Starting to dip his feet into. Okay, you guys, this podcast is sponsored by Macy's hashtag obsessed hashtag childhood hashtag New York City, like just the the heart of New York City is Macy's. If you haven't been to the Herald Square location, you haven't felt what it's like to be really in New York. I mean, the windows, the lights. Anyway, Macy's just makes me feel like home. It reminds me of the first time my mom agreed to buy me, you know, a Britney Spears perfume or Nike shoes or whatever it was that I wanted. It was like, okay, let's go to the department store Macy's and let's get it. So I want us all to remember that. And, you know, we got so used to online shopping at all these different stores and nobody's ever heard of. Let's bring it back to Macy's and everyone's a VIP. Okay, so Macy's VIP sale has just arrived in time for you to refresh your wardrobe for spring. You guys, it's warming up outside, even in cold, gloomy New York. So from March 24th to April 2nd, you can get an extra 30% off regular sale and clearance items plus 15% off beauty. So that's an extra 30% off plus 15% off beauty. And that includes sale and clearance. So that's 30% off pretty much everything from clothing, shoes, handbags, home decor, appliances, everything. So check out Macy's.com. Some exclusions apply. So see Macy's.com for details. Okay. So we all made nearest resolutions to eat healthier and be better, but striving for perfection is exhausting and living a healthy lifestyle isn't as easy as Gwyneth Paltrow makes it seem. Okay. And sometimes you need some help. So Noom uses psychology to help you make intentional choices that are aligned with your goals and your values. They have a psychology-based approach that empowers you to build more sustainable habits and behaviors and you get daily lessons that are personalized to you and your goals. They totally understand that every journey is is different. Um, and they really take cognitive behavioral therapy into the mix to help you understand your lifestyle choices and be able to make those changes. So whatever your health goals are, uh, Noom has a flexible program that focuses on progress instead of perfection. You can choose your level of support. It could either be a five minute daily check in. It could be personal coaching. You know, progress is rarely a straight line and off days are totally OK. Noom will be there to have your back and help you get back on track. So 95 percent of customers actually say Noom is a good long term solution. Find purpose in the progress with motivation and support from Noom's psychology based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash not skinny. That's Noom N-O-O-M com slash not skinny to sign up for your trial today. Check out Noom's first book, The New Mindset, a deep dive into the psychology of behavior change. Available by now wherever books are sold.
Well, you know what I've been thinking lately is like I'm loving to see in Hollywood and I know your besties with Brendan Fraser when you were just went to support him at the Vanity Fair after party. How was that, by the way? You looked amazing. Thank you. I mean, it's such a it's such an odd night. It, you know, it's a it's definitely a pressure night. It's not like cool and casual. Once you're inside, it's super relaxed. That's what's funny. But I see all these things like people like want to know like about all the appetizers that like there's no food. There's in and out burgers. There's never food. Yeah. There was a pizza bar and there, I mean, the In-N-Out Burger was good. Let me tell you, the, nothing's better than being in a gown and eating. I mean, the only thing that would have been better would have been if it was a Shake Shack burger. Oh, you like Shake Shack more than In-N-Out? That is controversial. Yorker, I like Shake Shack better. Okay. Damn. Like, you know, you know, do you know the Red Vines Twizzlers thing? No. So that you can tell what coast people are from based on what you're a Twizzler person, right? I like Twizzlers. Yeah. You're from the East Coast. We like Twizzlers. Red Vines are California. I, red Vines taste like wax to me. People out here think I'm crazy because they only like red vines. And they're like, and you can't even use a Twizzler as a straw, but I'm, it's, try that out. You'll, you can literally tell where someone's from based on which candy they choose. Or if you know where they're from, just like I did, I can tell you which. Well, first of all, I have to try a red vine because maybe (laughs) just to see if I, if I match. Call me afterwards. You'll you'll be like, "Mm -mm." I'll throw up. So obviously, I mean, that night probably seems so pressureful. Somebody just told me. That like you get arrival times, right? So what yeah. was your, when did you have to be there? 10. I was, it was, I, I had a good one. You had a good one. I heard of people that got there at like midnight. Yeah, no, no. I had a good one. I had, I had like the last arrival time before people start coming from the ceremony. Cause there's like the, those time slots are all the people that come from the ceremony. Then there's the dinner before, which I've been to, which is lovely, but I was too busy driving my children to Torrance for a birthday party in Cheviot Hill. So like opposite ends of the earth for, I spent my entire day driving back and forth to dance, to basketball and to birthday parties. Wait, so I have to ask though, you don't have help? Not on the weekends. Oh, not on the weekends. Oh, and I mean, they have on the have weekends to. too? That's so I mean, annoying. I have to ask for help from people, but yeah. I mean, we, not on the weekends. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's wild, especially in California. You have to drive so much. Okay. So tell us you go inside. Did you go by Freddie didn't come with you, right? I went with a friend. Oh, you went with a friend. Okay. Cause that's what I was wondering. The people that go by themselves, like they just come in and they start mingling, right? Yeah. But there's usually people there that, you know, I mean, I got lucky that I had a plus one, but even still you would, you're fine. Cause you walk in and you instantly find people that, you know, there. And you and Brendan, are you guys friends since you did that movie in 2007? We did that movie together because we wanted to work together, but we've known each other a really long time. So my manager that I've had since I was 13, Brendan has also had for eons and decades. And so that's how we initially met. Oh my God. Wait. Oh my God. That is so, so before, so your movie, the air I breathe was in 2007 and you knew each other even from before. That must've been so special. I saw you post posted him all over your Instagram. You must be really proud of him. It was, it was an incredible night. It was deserved. He's had more ups and downs than anyone with that kind of talent should ever have. And this was incredibly meaningful for him. You can really tell like how meaningful it is to him. And that's why, I mean, again, he's one of those people that everyone's rooting for. It was a good night for the Oscars because I think all of those winners, everybody felt like had earned their spot and earned it. And it was great for women to not, you know, that, that women over 50 are still like viable and important. It was great for someone like Yu Kwan for people like to not give up just it, you know, it like, it happens. Oh my God. Curtis, like I, I, I said to Freddie, I was like, well, she had to have been nominated for fish called Wanda. And he was like, no, she was not nominated. This was her first nomination. I'm like, how is that even possible? Like, it just seems, it seemed, well, it seems wrong. I know. I, that's what I wanted to ask you about before, because like, Pedro Pascal, did you see that bit of him where 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 they were like Sarah Michelle Gellar knows like who you are, remembers you, and he freaked out? It was so sweet. That was such a weird moment because I didn't know when I posted that, I didn't know Mandalorian was premiering that night. It was just random. And so it gained all this traction and they were showing it. And I was like, I hope he knows that like I didn't do that because we spoke afterwards, but I was like, I hope he knew that like I didn't do it because of that. That was just a random. Thing, but I didn't. I didn't see him on on Sunday night. Was he not there? Did so he just there? It, it's a it's a big party. It's like there's plenty of people that you realize afterwards. Like, oh, I missed you. I didn't see. Like, that one of my really good girlfriends was there, and I didn't know till the next day when she posted a picture. And I was like, how did we not see each other? 
Well, the thing is about him and you and, you know, Jennifer Coolidge and Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle. Ye- oh, like so many actors, you know, that are over 40 being celebrated now is like so incredible to see that it's like it makes me so happy. And sometimes I do want to ask the question, like, because I know I would be a bitch in this way. I'd be like, about time, like, you know, but I feel like everyone's still so appreciative and they don't have that ounce of ego of like, yeah, I've been around. Thank you for waking up. You know, they're just appreciative that finally they're getting the recognition they deserve. That's interesting. I mean, I think, look, it's a hard business. It's a business predicated on looks. It's, you know, talent is important too, but we like we'll be honest, you know, and I think for so long, you know, they always say like men get distinguished, women get old and it's okay for men to have younger co-stars. And, you know, I just think it's important to understand that there's value and there's like, I know my performances are better now than they were when I was younger because of my experiences and my knowledge and, and just my self-confidence is really different. I do things now for to please me not to please other people yeah and it changes your performance and your outlook and you know yeah I, <laughs> no it's very it's very true i i love watching these wins like for jennifer coolidge as well seeing she's awesome success. i did see jennifer on sunday night we had a good catch-up she's just again and and it seems to be really happening to the really nice people too, which is important. You know, the people that are appreciative. And I think maybe that's why you're not seeing the like bitch wake up because <laughs> those people, people are probably canceling or just don't want to deal with. Right, right. It's happening to the people who, did, and also the people that, you know, persevered and didn't give up and really wanted this so bad that they were like, I'm going to keep doing it. Even if, you know, I'm not getting the huge, the huge wins. People that in this business that it, you just don't, you can't ever give up if it's your passion because it can happen anytime, anywhere. And you just don't know how that, how, I mean, it's like, it's amazing because you just never know what starts something. Exactly. So you have to do it because you love it and not because, you know, you'll get more followers or accolades. I want to talk about Wolfpack, which is kind of like a Buffy revival. So I read, <laughs> I well, not revival. <laughs> it has homage. Homage, homage. So you first got the script and you were like, no, 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 no werewolves for me. So they sent me the script and I was like, guys, I don't do wolves. Like, no, thank you. And they're like, fine, we get it. It's just, it's a really good script and you should just read it because Jeff is a really talented writer and you guys have a similar sensibility. And I was like, okay, fine. Like, totally, I'll take a meeting with him. So I read the script. And it was really good, but I still had no intention of doing it. And we started talking on the Zoom. And one of the things that I really, I mean, among many that I loved about Buffy was the monsters were the metaphors for the horrors of adolescence, right? We were telling a bigger story, but we were using monsters. And sometimes supernatural really does allow you to tell the most human stories. And what Jeff was doing was sort of that modern take discussing anxiety, isolation. Like, I don't think if this script had come to me before COVID, I, I, I might not have been even as connected to it, but understanding how important having your pack is for everybody at any age, right? That's how we are allowed to be our most authentic self, our like feel confident to take the risks, do, you know, the things we never thought we would do. And the fire backdrop was crazy because so it's based on the 405 fire. It's what they call it. And we were evacuated in that fire. We got the 3 a.m. knock on our door. You have an hour to get out. Didn't know if we'd have a house to come home to. Thankfully, we did. A dirty house. A house. And I I loved sort of the idea of what this is doing to the animal kingdom and, you know, a, 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 a sort of a cautionary tale of environment and what happens when you disturb a predator. It, it's pretty, it, like, it has a deeper meaning and it's just also really scary and really fun. So did they know that what they wanted your role to be, the arson investigator from the beginning? Yeah, that that definitely was like, they, Jeff tells the story that they were like, well, who would be your dream for it? And he said, Sarah Michelle Gellar. And they said, well, let's try. And he was like, why would we even waste time? And he's like, because you don't ever know. And I guess on that one, he, you know, they were right. And it just, it allowed every, and I got to, you know, do it all. I got to get the fun lines, do the fight scenes, you know, but also not have to be in every single scene and carry all of it. It was like the perfect job. And what was it like working with these? We talked a little about this before, like these young actors, do you feel like protective over them because you were that girl? 
Very much so. And the boys too. I mean, I feel extremely protective of them. We got very, very lucky because these are five. And I say five now because it's four in the beginning and then there's a fifth. These are really good kids. And these are kids that have worked hard to get where they are and they're appreciative. And, you know, and if they get too big for their britches by season three, I'll remind them. I'll put them back in their place. But right now they're just, they're great. And people always say like, it must've been so great. You and Rodrigo had so much to teach them. And the funny thing is like, I had a lot to learn from them. Like you really? have to get it both ways, just their enthusiasm, their, the way they approach things. Like there's a lot to take from that. Do you give them like acting notes as well sometimes? Well, I, as the producer, I'm allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm entitled. <laughs> You're like, any actor, I, I love getting notes from other actors. I don't call them notes. I, I call them ideas, but like, you know, sometimes like you have a line and it's just like not working. And I would turn to Rodrigo and say, any thoughts? And he would be like, yeah, why don't you? That's like part of the fun process of what we do. So speaking of notes, I have to ask you your thoughts on this. I don't know if you saw it, but at the Oscars, because I know I've read a lot, you know, you've said that when you were younger, you were advocating for yourself and your friends and your peers actually said the same thing about you. You were advocating for like set hours and, and things that, that mattered, but people considered you because of that difficult or whatever. And today it's like, goes without saying that that actors should should demand and anyone that's working in those conditions. So there was this interview that I don't know if you saw Ashley Graham interviewed Hugh Grant on the on the carpet. Oh, the Oscar. Did you see it? OK, so people were saying there's two sides to it. It's like Hugh Grant, you know, that's who he is. He's just a grump. And that's his vibe. He like doesn't like these kinds of silly questions. Some people are like, he's he's an asshole. And the reason why I thought of the taking notes, because that I, I then saw an interview with him where he said that Drew Barrymore once gave him notes. So he like hates her. Like he literally said that. So now I'm interested if actors like I give notes. I just wondered when I saw, I saw it later. I saw it. I was on James Corden yesterday and he did like a little bit on it. I also wonder if that's just his British humor. There's a part of me that thinks he actually knew what he was doing and he was kind of being funny. Like, British humor is different than American humor. And like the whole thing of like, what are you wearing? And, you know, he's like my suit. Like, I, I, you know, I mean, I'm sure five stylists died when he said that because they were probably like waiting for the mention or the designer or whatever. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I should ask. I mean, I know Reverend Gordon. I don't I don't know Hugh personally. I think he's super talented. I think he might have been being funny. I know I'm with you on the suit. Right. But the only thing that got me was the eye roll at the end, because I would have died like if I was her and I got like a uh, eye roll from Hugh Grant. I didn't see that. I don't know if I saw that. So at the end, he rolled his eye. At the yeah. At the end, he was like, like he gave back the mic and he was just like eye rolling up the. Yeah. that And I was like, if I was her, I would crumble inside of myself. But a lot. Of, you know what a lot of people are saying? Not only the British thing, people are saying, you know, he he's above it. Like he thinks this shit is silly, you know, the like when you wearing like what you're going to go part. And he made the reference to like Vanity Fair, like the book. And she thought she, he meant the after party. So that was also a thing. I didn't see that it's look, it's hard. It, it 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 can be a lot. The Oscar red carpet is intense. And maybe she got him at the end. I mean, there's always it's always hard because it's so easy to read into something and none of us know, like, did he, someone in his, I don't know. You just never know what's going on behind someone. I mean, the eye roll probably could have, like, I mean, that could have hurt her feelings. And, you know, even if you felt that I've had plenty of interviews where I've wanted to roll my eyes and it's taken all of my power, but maybe, I don't know, maybe you do. I mean, I do think what makes a great interviewer. And I thought about this because there are, that is a skill set, right? And there are people that work very hard to do that job. So sometimes you plug in actors or models and it's really not necessarily the right fit, but you always have, it's like, know your audience. And so know who you're asking these questions to. And if Hugh Grant is not the, maybe ask him something like, are, you know, you and Andy McDowell are reuniting to, you know, maybe make it more about why he's there and, and know who you're interviewing. It's why Diane Sawyer is, you know, like there are people that are really great at that. You know what else? It's like, don't you miss Joan Rivers? I mean, I do. But again, that's my New York humor. Really. <laughs> I know a lot of people. And I've gotten accolades and, and and I've gotten rip downs from her. But she's honest. I think I watched Christian Siriano a little bit. And he's great because he's super honest when he does it. He's like the next. Well, he's trying. He's trying. This is what I could tell in the panel. Like, he's trying to say, like, 
a truth, like not me, not Joan Rivers, but like maybe that color isn't good, you know, something not mean. And the other hosts are like, I bet she looks beautiful. I mean, people are so scared today to say. Everyone's really scared to say anything. And I think that's unfortunate, too, because we can't we can't be so afraid to make a mistake because mistakes are how we learn. Mistakes are only a mistake if we don't learn from it. I always say like failure is we look at it in America, such a bad word, but like it's the first attempt in learning, right? That's what failure is. So it's only a failure if you don't take that and come back bigger and better. And so it does worry me a little bit how quick we are to cancel people. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't, but another reason why I don't want my daughter to be famous this age, like we say dumb things when we're young because we're young and dumb. Mm. It's really bad if five, six years later, you're still saying those things. But should you not get hired from a job because you said something dumb when you were 17 or maybe you grew up in a place and hadn't experienced the rest of the world and didn't know what you were saying was wrong and offensive? I don't know. I, I, I do think that we have to allow for mistakes to allow for learning. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. That is scary. Someone wants you're out like you don't need to miss. You don't need to come back from that one. Yeah. But so do you let your kids have social media or are you? No, I didn't. Well, my son's too young, so it's fine. My daughter, we she was one of the last ones to get it. And Freddie and I really went back and forth about it because, again, there's a a lens on her that's different and nothing is private. We all know that. But this is the world that she also lives in. And if I don't teach her the skills on how to maneuver and how to use it, well, then I'm not doing my job as a parent. So she has an Instagram now, but well, it's private, but she's not allowed to post unless we see it first. And we go over who she follows and, and, you know, who follows her. And we've had conversations about, I think the really hard thing is the immediacy of it, because in the moment we all feel things and we just want to say something. And often it's a mistake. One of her friends recently, like was mad at a teacher and like, you know, went on Instagram stories and did it. We saw it. And I, I, I said to the little girl, I was like, you got to be careful. I was like, because all you need is one person at school that sees it, that doesn't like you, that shows it to that teacher. Like you have to think like that. And and you're not even that mad five minutes later. And so I, I do think that we have to teach our kids how to responsibly use social media. Are you happy or bummed that in your time on Buffy, you didn't have social media? <laughs> Wait, you got to say it louder. So happy. <laughs> so happy. So darn happy. I could do a dance. Yes, I was. Yeah, I forget that it's like, I feel like I'm talking to you. I forget that it's also like people have to listen. Yeah. No, I had to think about that for a second because because I know you had, you know, it was a crazy set. You've talked about this. It was hard as fuck. Like, imagine you got home and like tweeted. (laughs) But that's the thing. I probably would have been an emotional state. And look, there's parts of social media that I do like. I like being the author of my own story. I get to tell my version of things and share my version of things. And people can hear my voice and not just how someone perceives me. You know, the only time we ever told our stories, like when I was younger was, you know, you do a magazine cover and you do an interview, but the journalists could come in with a preconceived notion and you could just be filling in those holes. Like now I get to tell the story my way. And so that part of it, like, and I, I do think I have amazing followers. Like I have followers that get my humor and know that like, this is what I'll show. This is what I won't show. And like, you know, this is, this is me. And speaking about your followers, is it wild to you? Because with TikTok, as much as I like to make fun of it sometimes, things do get like, you know, new life. Like Buffy right now, like kids know it because of TikTok. I'm super fortunate that the young, like I think about that too with, with my kids' friends, like when they'll be like, oh, we watched all of Buffy. I'm like, really? Like, I'm I'm not surprised. I think the show is pretty exceptional. And I think what makes a great show is when, it doesn't matter what time period it, you're watching it in, but it still resonates and says things and means things, you know, to people. And I'm very proud of the show, like for, you know, forever. But that Cruel Intention still finds an audience that, you know, grudge people still come up to me. I still get, I mean, you know, it's. Wait, do you know with Cruel Intentions, there are two things that stuck with me, which are so well, with I know what you did last summer. Oh, that one's that one's getting a whole new life, too. Like, and it's so crazy because like, obviously the killer should be the most important part of it for me. But what 
I'm still traumatized by is when your hair gets cut in the middle of the night. Like I often think about that scene. Oh yeah. That because for a female with long hair, that is like the most traumatizing thing that could possibly happen. And like all uneven like that. And on her big day, it's, it's terrifying. I hadn't seen the movie in a long time and probably not since it came out. Like I really haven't, you know, because my kids were younger, like they're not going to watch it. And my husband has a new podcast where they go over like horror movies. And so for his first one, they would, they did, I know it did last summer. So he was watching it with his partner. And I was like, I came in like maybe 15 minutes in and I was like, this is really fun. Like, I hadn't seen the movie in so long, but it's really fun. And then the other day, this is the best one. I came in the other day and my son was in my bathroom and I have like a little small TV in my bathroom. It's like the one place where I can never watch television is like in my bathtub by myself. And I was like, what are you watching? And he's like, oh, you're about to get murdered. I'm like, what? And he's like, look, this the, the ghost face is going to take you off the balcony. And he was literally just watching, like he was flipping channels and he came across Scream 2 and it was right. And I was like, how do you know this? He's like, oh, we, I've seen this. I was like, what? Like, it was all shocking to me. And he's not scared? No, I asked him. And Friday did too. He's like, you know, like, obviously, you know, it's not real because I'm standing here. But like, does it freak you out? I was like, no, it's acting. Like, he did not. Like, my daughter would care. My son was like, that's funny. Do you, he got you. do you look at those, like, you know, the movies that you've done years back and ever criticize your acting? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Although it's funny. When I watched a few minutes of Scream 2, I was like, you know what? That phone scene is hard. And I actually was pretty happy with it. Like, I, I, I watched it with, like a, different, like, a different eye the other day. And I thought, you know, like, I wouldn't change that much. And that's, I don't think I realized how hard it is to have a scene like that by yourself. Yeah. Because most of those scenes are like, you know, Jada's scene in the beginning is like, you know, they're at the movies. There's other people to interact with. You know, Drew's, Drew had that scene, right? The phone right. call scene. And like, she was great. And like, but I never realized one of these days I needed to ask her about it. Like, that's a hard scene. Are you not hearing anything on the other? Obviously, like, you're not even hearing like a pretend. I heard a pretend, but I didn't actually have Selma Blair. (laughs) You know, it's Selma Blair on the phone. No, I didn't. It's Selma Blair, but I didn't know her yet. And they had someone off camera reading lines, but yeah. That's so crazy. Oh, my God. See, time literally flew. I'm so sorry. I obviously wanted to ask you about Selma Blair and your friendship and everything. But I have dumb questions to finish the interview with because I have to. I love love a dumb question. Okay. first of all, I have to be honest and blonde for a moment and say that because my whole life it was like Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince Jr. I never thought about like what his last name is. Do you get what I mean? It was like one name. It was like a Madonna to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Actually. So my name is actually Sarah Prince, like my driver, Sarah Prince. So when I was thinking about this interview, I was like, wait, first of all, I was interested to know if you changed your last name legally. So now we know. I did. I like it's such a better name. Oh my God, it is. I mean, both names are great, but Prince is such a hot last name. Great last name. And Sarah Prince works. And also then it doesn't automatically trigger that it's me anyway. So it's like I get the best of both. Wait, and you didn't keep the Michelle in for the driver's license name? On my driver's license, it's Sarah Michelle Prince. But like, it's funny sometimes like on an airplane ticket, it'll come up Sarah. Or like if I have to like go somewhere like a drive on and like they, they won't have Sarah Prince. And it's like a whole thing. I don't have ID that says I'm Sarah Michelle Geller. I mean, it can be it can be a thing. But yes. Oh, my God. Because then I was like, your kids are Prince and Prince with a Z. I mean, what a fucking cool ass name. Right. It's good. Yeah. OK, SMG. I could talk to you forever. You're amazing. I'm seriously honored that you came on my podcast. Everybody go watch Wolfpack. It's on Paramount Plus. There are eight episodes out now. How many more episodes will there be in the season? That is it. That's it. That's a wrap. And do you know, do you know if there is season two? I mean, we have not had an official word yet, but I'm going to go with I'm assuming. yes. I mean, obviously, there's a whole strike issue going on, but yeah. Oh, good. I love an optimistic queen over here. Everyone's always like holding crystals and like, you know, we don't know until we know. You don't know until you know, but I think the show is really good and fun and the fans have really reacted so positively. And especially I think with the finale, it's going to be like people are going to be really into it. So and then it's nice because there's discovery afterwards, right? Like maybe you didn't watch it when it was coming out once a week. It's like now then there's like the binge part. So you get like you get almost like two viewerships. Yes, I love that. I love waiting with the show a little bit so I don't have to wait that long for the next season and really die. Well, thank you again, SMG. Of course, it's been an absolute pleasure. 
Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Not Skinny But Not Fat. Follow me on Instagram at Not Skinny But Not Fat. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. Rate the podcast that you love so much on Apple Podcasts and write a little review. If you tell me you did, I'll give you a big virtual smoocheroo. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you next Tuesday. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.